significant, which is characteristic, which are totally contradictory to the characteristics of body, Atma, 
Atma, which is the lakshanas, characteristics, totally contradicted to that of body, how can this body be Atma? And then question was, how about the subtle body? Even subtle body also cannot be Atma. Lingam cha anirika sanyuktam. Subtle body also is made up of a number of components, number of parts, organs of perception, action, mind, intellect, etc. Chalam is also constantly changing. In subtle body, the mind is the predominant element. And mind is always changing, so subtle body is constantly changing. Drushyam, the mind, sense organs, all of these are the objects of our awareness. I'm aware of my mind, aware of my sense organs. So I'm also aware of the subtle body, just as I'm aware of the cross body, just as I'm aware of a part. So rule is, I cannot be what I'm aware of, because the aware is different from the object awareness. Very simple rule. The subject is always different from the object because they are in different location. Subject is in location of I and the object is in location of that or this or you. One cannot be the other. They are mutually, well, let us put it this way, that the subject Definitely is different from the object. The drashta is definitely different from drashya. <coughs> and therefore the gross body of course falls in the category of drashya, the object, but subtle we also falls in the same category. It is subtle all right, but nevertheless it remains drashya or the object of perception. In that sense it is the same. And Vikaricha, the Chakara in the line of verse 39, even the causal body also is accepted, is also included. The Atma is even different from the causal body, different from ignorance also. Because ignorance also is illumined by self. I am aware of the ignorance also. Therefore, I am aware of the gross body, I am not the gross body. I am aware of subtle body, I am not subtle body. Aware of causal body, not causal body. <coughs> because all of them are limited. Avyapakam, asadrupam, subtle body, avyapakam. Now it is confined to one, one gross body only, therefore it is restricted in its pervasiveness. Asadru, it is mithya. Mithya because what is created is subject to perishability. And that means that what is created is never independent. What is created never enjoys an independent existence. The part is created. Therefore, the part does not enjoy an independent existence. The existence of the part is because of that of clay. So this will apply to anything that is created. Gross body is created, such body also is created, the mind also is created, sense organs also are created, prana also are created. 
Then in case there are, none of them enjoys independent existence or independent reality. They enjoy a dependent reality, dependent existence. Just as the pot enjoys an existence totally dependent upon the clay. Therefore, remove the clay from this pot and there is no pot. So therefore, in Vedanta, whatever has a dependent reality, whatever depends upon something else for its existence is called material. It's called unreal, not real. Only that which enjoys independent existence is called real. So gross body also is asat, not real. Such body also is not real. And the cause it brings about the gross and subtle bodies cannot be real because it brings about unreal things. Tatkatam syat vanayam. Tat is that. That gross body. That subtle body. That causal body. Meaning those which are designated as that. Ayam, Atma is ayam, which is evident. So understand that gross body, a subtle body, or causal body, are not evident on their own. They become evident only when illumined by consciousness of the Atma. How? Let me explain. How the Atma or consciousness first illumines or enlivens the mind, which in turn illumines or enlivens the sense organs which in turn are able to illumine the objects. And therefore, all this, all of this, nothing is evident, you know, whether Atma is I am. So the author, you are, so, kasam syat vanayam, tat kasam syat vanayam, I am is this. This means evident. Nitya aparoksha svabhava. Atma is svabhava, of the nature of being always evident being always myself and always evident. And all these are never evident. They are evident because of something. Atma is self-evident. So how can they be Atma? Atma or Self must necessarily be self-evident because it is self-evident. The I always shines on its own and never I is always self-evident. And those things are not self-evident. How can they be Atma? So in all this discussion, evam dehadvayadanya atma, so it has been established from the discussions, you know, in the last verses, that atma dehadvayadanya, the self is anya, different from, distinct from dehadvayad, the twofold body, the gross and the subtle bodies. And what is atma? Purushaha. The indweller of the city of the gross and subtle bodies is indweller, whereas the gross and subtle bodies are the dwelling places. Ishvara, even though is as the indweller of the body, don't think that it's dependent upon the body. Don't think it's confined to the body. Don't think it's limited by the body. Ishvara, he remains independent. Ishvara means ruler, means swatantra. Means independent. Sarvatma, again, the self, there is self of one dwelling 
cross body and subtle body, happens to be the self of all the dwellings. That Atma is not merely the indweller of this dwelling of gross and subtle body. Same self is the indweller of all the gross and subtle bodies. Meaning that the one that dwells in all the beings, any living being, beginning from an ant to Brahmaji, in all the living beings, there is what? One Atma, one Self that informs them all. Sarva-Atma, Sarva-Rupascha. Again, Atma alone has manifested all the forms. Sarva-Atitaha, the one that pervades everything, same time, one that transcends everything. Aham, that is I, Abhyaya, the unchanging, imperishable. So, Iti, in this manner, verse 41 says, Atmane Yamagena. So with a great effort, it is established how Atma is different from the body. Bhaga, the division. The Atma is totally different from the body. Atma, body is nothing, Atma, body is nothing to the Atma. Body is an Atma, Atma is different from that. So dehadvaya bhagena, atma deha bhagena. So this, in doing this, atma anatma viveka. Of separating self from non-self, you have created division now. What is the division? Atma self is one, anatma the body is another one. Then, you know, that means that you, by saying that atma is different from anatma, you seem to be implying that Atma is different from Anatma. That's what you say. And you are implying that Anatma also is different from Atma. See, one thing you should, we should remember. Tat katham How can the body be Atma? Because Sarvatita, Atma transcends everything. Atma is different from the body. That's what I can say. So it is, Atma is different from the body. It is assumed that you are saying that body also is different from body, although you are not saying it, understand? What these virtues are said so far is what? Atma is different from the body. The gross body and subtle body. So usually, when one thing is different from the other, the other also is different from the one. When you say that, this part is different from cloth, it implies that cloth also is different from part, is it not so? How can part be different from cloth without cloth being different from part? Tell me. Both of them stand in contradiction to each other. The cloth excludes the part, part excludes the cloth, then only they can be different. So you are saying that the part is different from cloth. That means that you are implying that cloth also is different from part. Which means that the part and cloth, both of them, enjoy the same degree of reality. Mutual exclusion, what the part is, then the cloth is not. What the cloth is, then the part is not. That means the cloth is as real as part. Now when you say Atma is different from Anatma, That means 
it seems to mean that anātmā also is different from ātmā. When can ātmā be different from anātmā? Only when anātmā is different from ātmā. When can part be different from cloth? Only when cloth is different from part. Is it not so? When can part be different from cloth? Only when the cloth is different from part. So you are saying that ātmā is different from anātmā. The eye is different from the body, mind, sense complex. That means you are implying that the body, mind, sense complex also is different from Atma. But how can one be different from the other without other being different from one? How can a part be different from cloth if the cloth is not different from part? So when you say part is different from cloth, it means of course that the cloth also is different from part. You don't have to say that. You don't say that cloth is different because part is different from cloth, therefore Without saying, it implies that cloth also is different from part. So when you, you are saying in so many words that ātmā is different from anātmā, it seems to convey the message that anātmā also is different from ātmā because how else can ātmā be different from anātmā if anātmā is not different from ātmā? You understand? Iti ātmā Thus, by distinguishing ātmā from the anātmā, by establishing that ātmā is distinct from anātmā, you are implying that anātmā also is different from ātmā, meaning that ātmā also enjoys an independent reality, meaning anātmā enjoys its own reality. Ātmā is one reality, anātmā is another reality. That means you are giving reality to anātmā. Prapanchasceva satyata. Prapancha means the creation. And a body is a creation. So rule that applies to body applies to the whole world, you know. Body being creation and independent of ātmā. Whole universe also is creation, the body is independent of ātmā. The body which is made of five elements, is different from ātmā. Then the universe made of five elements also is different from ātmā. So prapanchasya eva satyada. This implies that you give prapancha, the creation also has reality. You seem to be accepting that creation is real. And then you are not alone. Yathokta tarka shastrena. Tarka means Tarka Shastra, the Shastra of the school of thought, which arrives at the final conclusion about reality based on Tarka or reasoning. As I said last night, that even though these fellows claim themselves to be or, or, or declare themselves Vaidikas and accepting Veda as Pramana, but in our opinion, nobody really accepts Veda as Pramana as much as the Vedantin accepts. Vedantin is only truly loyal to Pramana, which is Veda. Other people think that they are accepting Veda as Pramanam, but not really. Most of them will interpret Veda in keeping with their reasoning. If what the Veda says satisfies reasoning, then it is accepted. 
If what Veda says is, is not satisfied reasoning, then they will turn around and they will twist the meaning of what Veda says. Because Tarka, what is Tarkika? For whom Tarka is the ultimate Pramana. Tarka means reasoning. So call it Tarkika. Those who look upon Tarka or reasoning as the ultimate test of the validity of any conclusion. Makes sense, isn't it? If things doesn't make sense, then what's the use? So tarka must be... So they think that all conclusions must be verified by or must be supported by, validated by tarka. And see, listen to the words. They believe that all your conclusions must be validated by tarka. You know what Vedantin says? All tarka must be validated by Veda. It's a different thing. When you accept Veda as Pramana, then whatever conclusion you draw must be validated by Vedanta. Then only we accept tarka, otherwise we don't accept tarka. This is accept Vedanta, Veda, if we satisfy tarka, what we say? We accept tarka only when it is in, you know, is, is in keeping with what the Vedanta says. Big difference? So, Yathokta, Tarka Shastra. So, all those people who arrive at the conclusion about the reality of life, everybody is searching and everybody is inquiring what's the reality of life. And vichara or inquiry is the way of doing it. Except how do you do it? Most people start with their experiences and after applying reasoning arrive at the conclusion as to what this is. All philosophers do that, sitting in a armchair and then, you know, thinking and contemplating, meditating, whatever they do. Vedantin doesn't do that, understand. Vedantin takes the statement of the Vedas and then understands that to understand this reality. Big difference. So Yathokta, Tarka Shastra, all the Tarka Shastras, all the Shastras, or all the schools of thought, Vaisheshika, Nayayika, Sankhya, Yoga, all these Vimyams, all of them. All of them look upon this world as real, Jagat as real, Therefore, Atma as limited. Atma as many. All of them accept Atma as many. Sankhya also says that as many Atmas, as many living beings are, so also Yoga, so Vaisheshika, Nayayika, everybody. Makes sense because if you and I are one, then Sankhya asks this question. How can Atma be one? Yourself and myself, how can they be one? Then if you are happy, I should be happy. Is it not so? Simple test. Here you find, I find that you are happy and I am unhappy. How can I both be one? Tell me. So, in order to accommodate our experiences, that everybody displays different characteristics, we will accept that Atma are also many. That is Tarka. You arrive at the manyness of the Atma from Tarka, reasoning that 
head atma with one, then all of these should feel same thing simultaneously. But here everybody feels different. One bull is born, another is dying, and so all sorts of difference are there. You can only explain these experiences if atma are many. And the pain is real and you have to be liberated from that and therefore the prapancha, the world that causes pain also is real. So in one way or the other all of them arrive at this conclusion that atmas are many and that the problem is real, bondage is real and therefore a real solution also. Except Sankhya, who is really close to Vedanta, who says that problem is not real. It is superimposition, never. You need Purusha Prakriti Viveka. So Sankhya is pretty close to Vedanta. Except Sankhya accepts the manyness of the Atma. <coughs> so hey Vedanta, in what way are you different from them? When you are implying that the Jagat is also Satyam, Anatma also is real. In what way are you different from them? Tatakim Purushatata. If from what you say that Atma is different from Anatma, it seems to mean that Anatma also is your you seem to be saying that Anatma also is different from Atma. Then even if you know Atma and you become free, you still Anatma remains separate from you and when there is duality, there is always going to be tension. When duality means when mutually, I am not you and you are I, that means there that cannot be harmony. In duality, tension is always there. It's love that dissolves in duality. The idea is there, in fact, the reason why what we want, what we do to dissolve the reality is by love. But if, if the Atma is real, then all that real duality cannot be dissolved by anything. So you can never be free, and therefore there cannot be moksha, kim purushatata. He vedantin then, this knowledge that atma is different from, atma is free and limitless, okay? But still is different from the body, different from the world, there cannot be moksha in the ultimate sense, because you can never feel freedom as long as something is different from you. As long as something excludes you, as long as you feel excluded from something, you can never feel totally comfortable. There cannot be moksha. So this is a question now that is being answered now. So we are saying that, look, this is very important. The Vedagnana, the knowledge that Atma is different from Anatma, the knowledge that Atma is different from this body, mind, sense complex, is Karanam leads to the knowledge of non-duality. The knowledge of the self being different from the body-mind complex, 
the knowledge that self is different from the world leads to the knowledge of non-duality. Can you believe that? The knowledge of the separateness of the Atma. The Atma is completely separate from the universe and from the world, body, etc. That knowledge leads to the knowledge of non-duality. And therefore, this division of the self being different from non-self is not meaningless, is not useless, it is very useful. It serves the purpose of leading us to the knowledge of non-duality. That's what he said in verse 42. Ityatma deha vedena Dehatma tvam nivaritam Idanim deha vedasya Chasatvam sputamuchyate See, what you have been saying so far is what? Deha is not Atma. Deha is not Atma. Atma is different from Deha. Iti Atma Deha Vedena. By establishing that Atma is different from Deha, Deha Atmatam Nivaritam. What we accomplish is that Deha Atmatam. The notion that Deha is the Atma, that notion has been Nivaratam resolved, refuted. So Vedantin says that, look, our problem is that habitually, because of ignorance, we take the Deha to be Atma. I am the body, and therefore I superimpose the limitations and attributes of body upon I, and feel limited and inadequate and unhappy. So, the reason for the unhappiness in our life, Vedantin says, is only one. And what is that? My perception that I am a limited being. That I am a limited being, inadequate being, and I was not free, it is that perception of myself is what causes all the unhappiness, nothing else. Therefore, you can free from unhappiness or sadness. All I need to do is to establish that this perception is wrong. The only way that the perception that I am limited will go when I find that I am limitless. So fact is that I is limitless. A limitless I is falsely taken to be limited. Therefore, the limitedness has not to be removed. If limitedness was real, then the question of removal would be there. Inasmuch as limitedness is a notion, is a delusion, is a Brahma, is misconception born of ignorance, all we need to do is to remove that notion of my being limited. And that solves all the problems. Solve the problem of sadness. There is no other problem. 
everything else is a situation. The only problem is sadness. That's all the problem we have. And so not that a person is married and unmarried and then nothing had to cause sadness. Only one thing, I am limited. I am inadequate. I am helpless. I cannot do what I want. I cannot prevent what I don't want, etc., etc., all the time. Fighting, you know, with my own self. Although I appear to be fighting with the world, you this and that. So I think they are, but basically I am causing that to myself. By declaring myself to be limited and inadequate and not recognizing I am doing that to myself, I superimpose and I say, world is doing that to me. You are making me helpless. You are making me do this, etc., etc. You will stop making that do still. As long as I don't stop making it for myself, nothing is going to work. So Vedanvin says that, first thing to know is that the I is limitless. It is adequate. There is nothing lacking, nothing wanting. You don't need anything. You don't need to change. You don't need to become. You don't need to struggle. You are perfect as you are. What? It is body being it. Yes, in spite of body being what it is. In spite of mind being what it is. In spite of the whole world being what it is. You are limitless. You are free. When you recognize, when recognizing that, what I think to be Atma is not Atma. It is my notion that I am the body is causing all these sense of limitation. So first thing declare that I am not the body. Meaning that limitation of the body are not my limitations. I am limitless. Then we let the second problem. Or whether the body is different from me or not. So by all these arguments, reasoning that you presented in establishing that body cannot be Atma. We haven't said Atma is not the body. What we have said? Body cannot be Atma. Tat katham How this body can be Atma? To help you become free from the notion of limitedness that arises from taking the body to be Atma. We are not saying Atma is not the body. We say body is not Atma. You see that? Tat kasam syad deha So, deha atmatvam nivaritam. What has been refuted is deha atmatvam. That deha is the Atma. That is what has been refuted. The fallacy of that notion has been shown. Idanim, now what shall we do? Deha vedasya shasattvam suramuchyade. Now we will proceed to show you how Deha is not different from Atma. So far we showed Atma is different from Deha, the body. Meaning that Atma is not limited by body. Now we will proceed to show how body is not different from Atma. Body is not independent of Atma. And therefore, body cannot bring any limitation of an Atma. Understand that it is true that if this part is different from cloth, then cloth brings limitation of one part 
and power brings limitation on cause. But how about the other equation? The clay and the pot. How about now? Clay and the pot. We said so far that clay is not the pot. Clay is different from pot. Pot cannot be clay. That's what we've been saying. What is pot? A name and form? That cannot be clay. So this clay is a complex. What's a complex? I am, you know, confined to this particular shape and this is all I am. And this is different from me. I am different from that and there. I am limited, inadequate. I don't know what this one is. See, what a beautiful design it has pattern. I don't have that. What a beautiful shape this is. I am ugly looking. Therefore, we say that, hey, you are not name and form. You are clay. So when all this complex is arising in clay, on account of taking itself to be confined, one name and form are given up. And when the clay recognizes that I am not confined just to one name and form, that I am the self of all names and forms, even this little pot can say, I am the self of a huge jar or a huge tank. So they had huge bins, you know, they used to have clay bins in which they used to store grains, etc. The little one can say, I'm the self of that big, you know, bin. I'm no less. I'm I'm no less. When can it say that? When it owns up its status of being clay. So by recognizing that I am not a name and form, I am just clay which has no name, no form, no modification, no limitation, then the clay becomes free from all complexes. The next question is, how about that pot? How about that name and form? You said that clay is not the pot, clay is not a name and form. That means what? Name and form stands apart from clay? The clay transcends the name and form. Clay is different from the name. What about name and form? You seem to be implying that name and form stands apart from clay. We didn't say that. We said clay stands apart from name and form. We do not mean that name and form stands apart from clay. You follow? The clay stands apart from name and form. True? Clay is independent of name and form. Clay does not require a name and form to exist. Clay remains clay even when it is in name and form. And clay remains clay without name and form. Clay is independent. Not dependent upon any name and form for it to exist or to shine and to be clay. So first we establish that the clay is different from pot. Where pot is what? Name and form. Hey, you have now created division between clay and name and form. So you see, by saying that clay is not name and form, you seem to have created division between clay and name and form. That means that the name and form also is real. We didn't say that. 
So yes, a part stands different from cloth, but how about the clay stands? What's the relation between clay and part? What is the relation between clay and part? Clay is different from part. Clay is different from name and form, but name and form is not different from clay, isn't it? Clay enjoys independent reality. It does not require a part of name and form for it to be, whereas a part of name and form does not enjoy independent reality. It cannot exist without clay. That is Vedantic equation. That clay is different from part, a name and form, name and form is not different from clay. Clay is satyam. Name and form is mitya. Satyam is distinct from mitya, but mitya is not different from satyam. So coming with Swamiji's equation, the actor A putting on the costume of beggar B. What's the relation between actor and beggar? Actor is not the beggar. Because actor is whether the beggar is out there or not. Actor is independent of the beggar, but beggar is not independent of the actor. B is equal to A, but A is not equal to B. It's a brilliant way of saying this, you know. Brilliant. That B is equal to A, but A is not equal to B. Similarly, this body-mind, what we call anatma, is, is like costume. Which the Atma is wearing as though and assuming they are taking different roles. Atma, the actor, is definitely different, distinct from the costume of the nature of the gross and subtle bodies. But the costume totally depends upon the Atma for it to exist, for it to shine. No, it is not independent. Atma is Satyam, the Anatma is Mithya. Satyam is different from mithya, but mithya is not different from This is a very important equation. That is how this non-duality, in spite of atma being different from anatma, there is still non-duality because anatma is not different from atma. Mastani sarabhutani, nacaham teshvastita, nacamastani bhutani. Lord Krishna says that they are all dependent upon me, I am not dependent upon them. In fact, I am not there at all. All there is is I. Because, you know, how many things do you count? Like this jeweler invited a Swamiji in his shop, in his storeroom, took inside into a room where he has stored all this number of ornaments, and opens the door and switches on the light and then the whole heap of ornaments starts glittering very proudly the, the whole shoes. Look at Swamiji. Please take one. Guru Dakshana. Swami says, give me gold. Please take one. Give me gold. So I picked up the bangle. Yes. I don't want bangle, I want gold. So when you count gold, 
Then do you then you have to count Bengali then one earring is third one no? In gold, all of them are included because gold is self of all. It pervades all, it transcends all. The Bengal has names, forms, modifications, change, the gold is nothing. Gold is satyam. Bengal is a superimposition of gold conductive. So, Dehavedasya asattvam suramachyade will not describe how the separatedness, that atma is separate from the body. The separated the body is not real. The body is not separate from the atma. Then there is no duality. Asattvam, the mithyatvam of the bhela, of the duality is now very clearly stated by us. So listen to us. <coughs> so now different reasons are given to show how bheda, the duality, is not real. On the face of duality appearing to be there, understand? We are in fact born in duality, raised in duality, functioning in duality. With, on the face of this, Vedanta says there is no duality. So the next verse is, Chaitanya Shaikarupatva Bhedo yukto na karichita Jeevatvam chamrushagnyayam Rajyau sarpagraho yatha Chaitanyasya ekarupatvat Chaitanya is Chaitanya is always ekarupam. is always uniform, homogeneous, changeless. The consciousness is uniform, homogeneous, changeless, one, non-dual. Therefore, see that's important, that nothing can stand apart from consciousness. Space being one, formless, all-pervasive, nothing stands apart from space. You follow? All the parts and pans and all the objects that there are in the world, none of them stands apart from... because Eka-rupatva, space is one, homogeneous, all-pervading and sustaining all the names and forms. Space sustains all the objects. So there is space transcends all the objects, meaning space doesn't need anything for it to exist. Nothing is apart from space. And therefore, all those things that are sustained by the space, held by the space, none of them stands apart from space because they cannot exist. All pots and pans are there. Since clay is one in all of them, and pervades all of them. Therefore, bhedo nayuktaha. Then the pot is separate from clay, it can never be, because 
or is no independent existence. Sir Bhuta Bhodika Prapani Adhishthana Prakashasya. So what is the Atma the self? Is that chit? What is that existence? Chit is awareness or intelligence. Therefore, the self provides existence and intelligence to everything. So there is existence in the part, intelligence in the part, usefulness in the part, existence in the part. Intelligence also is there because this one is made intelligently to serve a purpose. In the purpose of usefulness also is there. So existence, intelligence, usefulness is in everything. So where did this cloth get his existence from? From Atma. Because only source of existence is Atma. Only one thing that exists in the is Atma. There shines independently the Atma. This complete independent Atma. And never. Wherever you see existence, intelligence, usefulness, understand that Atma shines as existence, intelligence, usefulness in everything. Because nothing is away from existence, you follow? Can anything be away from existence? Suppose this fellow declares, you know, he revolts against establishment. Who is part? Your existence, fellow, your establishment, I don't want you. And therefore, it wants, it declares, it's a revolt, and wants to run away from existence, can it? Will it exist? Will it remain? No. Nothing can ever be apart from existence. And how do you know that part exists? Only when the part is known, so nothing can be aware apart from sat and chit or existence and aware asti and bhati. Asti bhati is atma. So nothing is separate from atma. Therefore, the part cannot declare its duality from clay because of which it exists. And so also, no name and form can declare its duality separatedness from atma. Atma declares separatedness from everything. But nothing else can declare separateness from Atma. But everything survives or sustains from the existence that is borrowed from Atma, reflected from Atma. And intelligence that is reflected from Atma. And usefulness, everything reflected from Atma. Just as you take away the clay from this part, nothing remains. And so also, take away Atma from anything, what will remain? Nothing remains. Therefore, all of this is manifestation of Atma. Nothing is separate from Atma. And therefore, even though there is an appearance of manyness, in fact, there is only one shining as many. And therefore, all this many does not create any division at all. Bhedo yukto in no way at any time, nowhere, Bheda division is ever yukta, is ever proper. And therefore, jiva tvam chabhushagnyayam. To feel that I am a jiva, to feel that I am limited also is mushag because I am not confined to it. I am all pervasive. I am not confined to one name and form. And then in the clay, poor thing feels that I am so limited and small. That's not right. 
Because as clay, you pervade all the parts and hands. There is no limitedness in clay. So also there is no limitedness in the self. In existence there is no limit because everything exists because of this. No limited in intelligence because everything intelligence because of the self. Jīvatvam chamrushāgyam The sense of jīva, sense of being limited, is mrushā, is false. It only arises from identifying with one upādi and therefore it's a false notion. Rajjau sarpagrahoyata, just as Rajju rope is taken to be a snake, so also the limitless atma is taken to be limited. And therefore the sense of limitedness is as false as the snake on the rope. Rajjau sarpagrahoyata. So now we are declaring the mithyatma. Mithyatma of the apparent individuality. Mithyatma of the sense of limitedness. That's what the verse declares. We continue with uh, subsequent verses. Okay. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnamivavasishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashyakutau Vande Bhagavantau Unaftunaha Ishvaro Guru Ratmedi Murti Veda Vibhagine Vyoma Vipyakta Dehaya Lakshyamurtayenamaha Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Hari Om